0: This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: The GOP is descending into irrelevancy. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to the program. I'm in one of those moods today, folks. I think somebody sprinkled gunpowder on my cornflakes this morning. Every once in a while, I come into these programs with a nasty attitude, salty attitude. But Then again, those are sometimes (laughs) some of my best uh, programs. But let's get back to the GOP. This week, John Boehner announced his resignation as Speaker of the House and from Congress. He might as well. He's going to have a nice retirement. Why put up with this crap anymore? But that's not why the GOP is descending into irrelevancy. I have sent up the flares, SOS, May Day, May Day, for the GOP. And here we are just a little over a, month, a year from the general election. It's sitting right there for us. By us, I mean conservatives. As you know, conservatives and Republicans are two different things. And you know what? The GOP may blow this. And any of you that think that Mrs. Bill Clinton doesn't have a chance, in spite of all of her troubles, then you are kidding yourself. There are a lot of parallels to what her husband went through when he first ran with all of this. Um, the, the, these stories of these women that said that Bill Clinton... Uh, Sexually assaulted him, and all that came up. That didn't hurt him. That was before he was elected president. Then it happened during his presidency. More stories came out, and the Monica Lewinsky, and it still didn't hurt him. You know why? Because the Democrats are organized, and they know how to circle the wagons. The GOP, eh, not so much. The Boehner resignation is just a symptom of what the real problem is. Now, one of the things that you're going to hear when you come and listen to this program, it's just my analysis and commentary. But I do pride myself on having a finger on the pulse of people, a finger on the pulse of what's going on. When you go to other programs, and I know that you do, you listen to them, and what you're going to hear Are thing's just parroted. Everybody starts to say the same thing. They start to use the same words. You're not going to find that here. What I do is I sit back, I watch, I listen, and I use my sixth sense of knowing where people are at, where their heads are at, where their hearts are at. Then I speak to that. So here you are. Here we have the the Republican primary for president of the United States, and the three front runners are not really even Republicans. And what I mean by that, they haven't been longtime party members. That's what I mean by they're not really Republicans. How do three outsiders, three outsiders, come in and basically lap the field of, of these longtime U.S. senators? Governors, House members, former governors, how does it happen? It happens because the GOP is in crisis right now. Let me give you a few examples. John Boehner was elected by his own party members in the House to be the Speaker of Representatives. Now, the first time that he was, he ascended to this position when they took over the House. He was really just the first in line, next in line, seniority. This is a very um, seniority-laced party. Who's next? I'll give you an example. Barack Obama wasn't next. Mrs. Bill Clinton thought she was next. They didn't care. Who gave them the best chance to win? That's how they think. Who gives us the best chance to win? Not party loyalty. Not what the establishment is saying. The establishment and the party I'm talking about. Who gives us the best chance to win? It wasn't Mitt Romney four years ago. And it certainly wasn't John McCain eight years ago. But they were the next in line. The heir apparent. It was their turn. Bob Dole, I mean, I can go back and just list the examples of how it's well, it's his turn he did his time, and that's not how you win presidential elections. That's not how you win in politics. Politics is asymmetrical, it's not linear, but getting back to you know why that you know I, I ask people and I'm glad that you do come to this program, is you're just you not going to get stuff that's just regurgitated from what everybody else is saying, all the political pundits. And they all say the same thing. Because it's a language, it's a culture, it's an environment that they live in. It's a bubble. They know what's best. They're so disconnected from the conservative and Republican establishment as I can point out, the pundits. These are guys I admire. Charles Krauthammer, Stephen Hayes. You know, I could name some more, but you get my point. Part of the media elite. But anyway, John Boehner was selected to be the Speaker of the House by his party members, right? Republican congressmen and congresswomen had to vote on who their leaders should be when they gained a majority. And it was John Boehner. These folks knew who John Boehner was. He's been in the House of Representatives forever. They knew exactly what they were getting when they elevated him to become the Speaker of the House. And then he went on to behave in the way that they all knew. He he did not surprise us with anything. Okay, so now let's... Fast forward, the 2014 midterm elections, the Republicans maintained control of the House, but they still had to select the leader. That's the process. Who did they pick? John Boehner. When now, all of America, and especially the conservatives, the grassroots, We, the people at ground level, we got a glimpse in prime time because now he's the speaker. We knew who John Boehner was. And what did the Republican congressional members do? Gave him another term. Now, there was a small uprising this last time, a mini attempt of a coup. And it didn't last and it didn't work. So while we, the people, at the grassroots level, sit up here and, and just bewilderment and anger about the inability of the Republican Party, the GOP, to stiffen its spine, make a stand, you know, they select him again. That's why this party's in turmoil. And that's just the beginning of it. I have several other points that I want to make. Because I don't do this stuff based on emotion. I said I have a sixth sense of where people are at. I listen to people. I don't watch the news and listen to the pundits. I listen to people. And that's where I get my sense from, my sense of where people are at.
0: You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip.
1: John Boehner is not even going to finish his term. He's going to resign because he finally got the Pope to speak. To Congress. Is that right? Had I known this four or five years ago, I would have started a letter writing campaign for Benedict. Hell, had I known where John would end up 15 years ago, I would have started a letter writing campaign for Pope John Paul II. The Morning
0: Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. To David Clark, the People's Sheriff.
1: So here's your homework assignment for next week. From time to time, I'm going to give you some homework. I realize you have busy lives, so it won't be labor intensive. Go back and look and see who voted for John Boehner to be the Speaker of the House. And if one of those Republican congressional members is your representative, lives in your district, You need to hold them accountable at the local level for John Boehner. Ask that person why. Why did you vote again in this newest Congress for John Boehner? It's incredible. Now, some of you may think that I'm being hypercritical of the GOP. Well, I am, and I should be, and you are too. Now, some of you aren't. You want to stick your head in the sand. That's your business. But well, this stuff is pissing me off. There's a lot at stake here, our republic, our way of life, and they're fiddling around. The GOP is flushed with cash. Reince Priebus, the chairman of the GOP, a friend of mine, by the way, but you know, like I said with Scott Walker, I do not let friendships bias my views about what's going on. I'm not going to do that to you here. You can go anywhere and get that, where someone's going to paint seashells and balloons and everything's rosy and everything's looking up. No, it's not. We're in trouble. And by we, I'm not a member of the GOP, but I'm a conservative. And so I guess this Republican Party gives me the best chance of seeing to it that America stays America. You know, I'm not big on political parties. I don't see anywhere in the Constitution where it says we select our president by being a member of a political party. And most people who vote Republican don't belong to the party anyway. So I ask you, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. I ask you, why do you send money to the Republican National Committee and the Republican Senatorial Committee? They raise money. They send envelopes up. They come to my house. The envelopes come to my house. And you, you've seen the envelopes, right? Uh, Dated material, uh, important, and you know it looks real official. Just in a brown envelope. They didn't even put it in a white envelope, and, and it looks official. It looks like something from the IRS. And when it first catches your eye, you, you you're drawn to it because well, this looks important. This doesn't look like junk mail. You open it up, and what's in there? The survey starts with the survey. These are fundraising tricks, and they list all the the things that they know conservatives stand for. Do you want to repeal Obamacare? Do you want, you know, this? Do you want that? Do you think Mrs. Bill Clinton should be the president of the United States? And then at the end it says, and, and we need your money to make sure that none of this happens. And people send money. If they didn't, then the GOP and the Republican Senatorial Committee would not be flushed with cash. Now, don't get me wrong. In politics, cash is king. I realize you have to have money to win elections. But here's what I would suggest. Like I said, I don't tell you what to do with your money. Give to individual candidates. All right, my advice? Stop giving to the Republican National Committee and the Republican Senatorial Committee. Why do I say that? I don't say it very easily because I understand that, that, that uh, you know, money is the mother's milk of politics. But they're not listening to us. They don't care about us at ground level. That's why I say, so give to your individual candidate. If you like a, a, a senator or if you like your congressman, give to them. They're going to need money to win at home in the district. Because once we stop giving money to the establishment, we'll have their attention. Trust me. We will have them at a heel. That's where we need them. This is we the people. Those of you who aren't into canine training, you know what heel is. It's a command, right? The dog has to walk at your side. You are in charge. You move, the dog moves. You stop, the dog stops and sits. You say heel. You want the dog at your heel, the heel of your foot. That's where we need the RNC. That's where we need the Republican Senatorial Committee, at a heel. No, we'll tell you when to walk. When I move, then you can move. When I say this is the direction we want you to go in, then you'll go in that direction. If you don't, you give a nice, nice little snap on the chain. Get them back to a heel. That's one way of getting their attention. Because this isn't just about John Boehner. We will miss the point if we think that now that we got rid of John Boehner, things are looking up. No, it isn't. This party is in crisis. It is yearning for somebody to get their arms around it and say, okay, I'm in charge. Here's what we're going to do. Present a vision and a plan to get there. And you know what? People get behind it. Happens every time. I talked about vision last week, and there is none. What does the Bible say? Where there is no vision, the people perish. But this isn't this segment isn't about vision. It's about an identity. I will challenge you on this one as well. What is the identity of the Republican Party? Tell me. That doesn't mean yell into your radio or your iPad. It means send it to me on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C L A R K E. Tell me what the G O P. Tell me what their identity is. They have no identity. I have suggested on Twitter that the official flag is the white flag, the flag of surrender. It's a surrender party. I don't say it to be funny. I say it because it's true. Now, here, What's the symbol of the Republican Party? The elephant. I think we should replace that with the dinosaur. Because this party is going the way of the dinosaur. Right before our eyes. 14 months from the presidential election. There's still time. I'm going to talk about how we can get out of this and get it back together. But it is, don't think it's about John Boehner. And the next guy, because everybody's like, well, who's the next guy? And that's all the questions, all the pundits. Well, who's the next? See, we don't know. Who's going to step up and push everybody out of the way in this Republican-controlled house and say, okay, I'm in charge now. Here's my vision. Here's the plan. No, they're going to fiddle around. Back and forth, 25 votes, and then someone will emerge when there's the horse trading. Right, I'll vote for you if you give me this committee. And all that nonsense. It's also about Mitch McConnell. But it isn't just personally about him, but he's another one. How did he get to be the Senate majority leader? Seniority. They all knew who Mitch McConnell was. And there's more. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Chris Salcedo.
1: There's so much angst and consternation, in my view, is that Donald Trump
0: and the outsiders are dominating the field, and it makes the political establishment
1: very, very nervous. This is, as I said, all of this stuff's going to work out in the wash. We're four months out before any voting starts. We've got the time to explore these issues.
0: Chris Salcedo, Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on The Blaze Radio Network.
1: The Blaze Radio Network, on demand.
0: David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Do
1: you want to ask What the GOP stands for, because brand identity is important. Stand for something, damn it. And be willing to fight, be willing to die for your principles. I mean it metaphorically. But give me something to get behind. Give me something to get excited about. Give me something to rally around. Energize the electorate. A strategy of anybody but Mrs. Bill Clinton is not a winning strategy. The Democrats tried that when George Bush was president. Anybody but Bush, they said. That's not a winning strategy. Give us somebody. That's what this process is about. But I'm telling you, and I've said this before, it's starting to bore me. I mean, I look at Dr. Ben Carson as an example, who made a statement relative to Sharia law versus the Constitution and a Muslim who believes in Sharia law and should they be the president. And the media took and and contorted that into something that he didn't say. And the feeding frenzy was on from the left and from the media. There was no circle the wagons by the GOP. They don't have to endorse or get behind anybody, but they need to protect people. And then Carly Fiorina. And you know I like Carly. But come on, Carly. Sits up there and says, I don't I think a Muslim could be president. I don't have a problem with that. Carly, the Muslims aren't gonna vote for you. What did you have to say that for? There was code language. Stay out of that stuff. Carson was handling this fine. By the way, I I got a newfound respect. Not that I didn't respect him before. The ultimate respect for Dr. Ben Carson. I knew his story long before many of you did. I read the Ben Carson story about 15 years ago. He was handling this fine. We all knew what he meant. We all knew what the media was doing. And Carly Fiorina steps into it. And step in and she did. I don't get that. I agree with what Ben Carson said. She didn't have to agree with it. She should have just stayed out of it. The only one who got close to it well, Donald Trump said he agreed with Ben Carson and didn't get out of there. When I talk about, you know, brand identity, stand for something. All oh, we get our excuses now, the latest one is, well, we can't move the agenda until we have the Senate, the House, and the White House. Not what you told us in 2013, going into the 2014 elections, GOP. You told us if you give us control of the Senate, the Senate, we will stop the Obama agenda. That's what you told us. So now you got another excuse. Well, we need the White House now. Well, first of all, (laughs) not so fast. Let me take you back to 2000, George W. Bush. Elected President of the United States, who control the House and the Senate? Republicans. And you know what they did with it? This party that says they stand for lower taxes? They enacted a tax cut, okay? And couldn't make it permanent. Put a window on it, 10 years. It was set to expire in 10 years. That was with control of the White House, the House of Representatives, and the Senate. Couldn't make the tax cuts permanent. George Bush wanted them permanent. His own party in the Congress wouldn't do it. I didn't see a 10-year window put on Obamacare. The Democrats made it law. Permanent. I mean, it's an uphill battle now to try to get rid of it, and it would have been the same thing with the Bush tax cuts had the Republicans in Congress, remember, they said, well, we got to have the White House, too. B.S. You're not fooling me with that anymore. You guys don't know what to do with power. That's why we're in the straits that we're in now. We do have some power. Utilize it. Do what you can with what you have. I realize you don't have the White House. That's not why. The the Bush tax cuts weren't permanent because the Dems were able to stop it from being permanent and they were in a minority party. Compromise. Well, Compromise my rear end. Those tax cuts should have been made permanent. But you see what I mean when I say... You have a set of principles and fight for them and be willing to die for them. They should have went to the wall on making those tax cuts permanent. Republicans are involved with some of these cuts to the military. They're involved in some of this. I don't know if it's trade-off, if it's compromise or what. They They don't stand for strong military superiority. No, they don't. Let me ask you this now: Who's the face of the Republican Party right now, or faces? It doesn't always have to be one person. It's not Ted Cruz; he's a pariah in this party. Who's the face? Ryan's Priebus? John. Who's the face of the GOP right now? There is none. Not only is there no identity; it's a riderless horse. In 1980, in the election in 1980, Ronald Reagan came in. Ronald Reagan was not the establishment candidate. You know who the establishment candidate was? George Herbert Walker Bush. Reagan came in, seized that party, said, It's mine. I'm in charge. Here's the plan, and here's the direction we're going in. And guess what? The establishment had to back down. They had to. You know why? Because they don't, they don't, they don't, they have no fight in them. They did not want Ronald Reagan to represent the Republican Party in the 1980 election. Go back and look at the history. Look at the stories. It's right there. They didn't want Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, former Democrat, right? Former union leader, screen actors guild. Helped Truman get elected. I mean, there's some parallels there to Donald Trump, and I I don't mean Reagan's the same as Trump. Don't try that to me, or don't try that on me. I know those tricks. But he was an outsider, former Democrat, former union leader, like Trump. Well, he's not a real Republican. He's not real conservative, and he's, you know, pro-choice, and he voted, and he, you know, supported that candidate, that Democrat, gave money. I don't care who people give money to. I'm looking for somebody that's going to come in and get their arms around this thing, strong arm these damn establishment Republicans, and say, Your reign of terror is over. This party's going back to the people. And speak to us, the people. And listen to us, the people. This is not impossible. And it's not just going to take, you've heard me, it's not just going to take one person. I'm not looking for a savior. I'm not looking for Superman. I'm looking for somebody with the spine, with the intestinal fortitude to say, I'm in charge. And show us the way. David Clark.
0: The People's Sheriff.
1: On the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Don't miss and stew a hundred years ago there was nothing you could do about heat wave except stay away from fat sm- wet, sw- uh, smelly sweaty relics now, now we today can have-
1: that would be except hmm. stay away from Jeff- yes yeah, Jeff- uh, <laughs> now we can
0: do this magic thing called condition the air <laughs> condition <laughs> what yeah 35, wow. window air conditioners cost about 2.5 million dollars pat and stew weekdays at 5 p.m eastern on the blaze radio network
1: Sheriff. So I spent the better part of this program outlining how I believe that the GOP is descending into irrelevancy. Now I'm going to give you a, a story, and a situation, and why that is. Remember, I like to connect the dots and give examples. I came across this story, and it's from the fellowshipoftheminds.com. Here's what it says. It's titled, Why the GOP Won't Challenge Vote Fraud. Friends and patriots, it's a major duct tape time because you'll need it to keep your head from exploding. Are you ready for this? Here we go. There's now compelling and undeniable evidence that major vote fraud had been perpetrated in the November 2012 election, but our screaming and hollering are to no avail. No one is listening to us, not even the Republican Party. Here's why. The Republican Party made an agreement 30 years ago with the Democrat Party not to ensure voting integrity and not to pursue su- uh, suspected vote fraud. Yes, you read it correctly. In fact, legally, the GOP cannot ensure voting integrity, nor can it prevent vote fraud. Here's the astounding reason, which is kept from the American people. Politicum writes for Gulag Bound, November 13, 2012, that during the weekly Truth the Vote webcast, Catherine Engelbrecht, related a meeting she had with Reince Priebus, the chairman of the RNC, asking what the GOP would do about voting integrity. The answer? Nothing. They aren't legally able to. This all goes back to a lawsuit 31 years ago in 1981. The following is compiled from an account on the Judicial View, a legal website specializing in court decision research and alerts from the Democrat National Committee versus the Republican National Committee, case number blah, blah, blah. In 1981, during the gubernatorial election in New Jersey, a lawsuit was brought against the RNC, the New Jersey Republican State Committee, and three individuals, accusing them of violating the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the 14th and 15th 15th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. The lawsuit was brought by the Democrat National Committee. The lawsuit alleged the RNC and RSC targeted minority voters in New Jersey in an effort to intimidate them. Here's what they did. The RNC created a voter challenge list by mailing sample ballots to individuals in precincts with a high percentage of racial or ethnic minority registered voters. Then the RNC put the names of individuals whose postcards were returned as undeliverable on a list of voters to challenge at the polls. The RNC enlisted the the help of off-duty sheriffs and police officers with National Ballot Security Task Force armbands to intimidate voters by standing at polling places in minority precincts during voting. Some of the officials allegedly wore firearms in a visible manner. First of all, they're law enforcement officers. And remember, this is what is alleged. To settle the suit in 1982 while Ronald Reagan was president, The RNC and RSC, that's the State Committee in New Jersey, entered into an agreement or consent decree which is national in scope, limiting the RNC's ability to engage or insist in voting fraud prevention unless the RNC obtains the court's approval in advance. Here's a list of the things that uh, this consent decree So the RNC agreed to basically say they wouldn't engage in certain activities that might prevent vote fraud. One of the things that it said is, the RNC shall refrain from undertaking any ballot security activities in polling places or election districts where the racial or ethnic composition of such district is a factor. So it basically says the RNC cannot engage in activities that might prevent voter fraud. It goes on to say the RNC also agreed that the RNC, its agents, servants, and employees would be bound by the decree, whether acting directly or indirectly through other party committees. Basically what that means is they can't help state Republican committees investigate or prevent voter fraud. Remember I said they're flush with cash and why you shouldn't send your money there, send it to individual candidates? As modified in 1987, the consent decree defined ballot security activities to mean ballot integrity, ballot security, or other efforts to prevent or remedy voter fraud. Since 1982, that consent decree has been renewed every year by the original judge, Carter appointee, District Judge Dickinson de Bevoir, now 88 years old, long retired, Bevois comes back yearly for the sole purpose of renewing his 1982 order for another year. In 2010, the RNC unsuccessfully appealed to vacate or modify the consent decree, in this case, RNC versus DNC. In 1982, the Republican National Committee entered into this decree. Here's the summary of the appeal judge's ruling. In 1982, the RNC and the DNC entered into a consent decree, which is national in scope, limiting the RNC's ability to engage or insist in voter fraud prevention unless the RNC obtains the court's approval in advance. For the following reasons, we affirm the district court's judgment, meaning their appeal was turned down. So this thing goes on. Anyway, Guess, what, guess who made this decision? Go back to the story here. Surprise! The judge who denied the RNC's appeal to vacate the 82 Consent Decree is an Obama appointee. Judge Joseph Greenaway Jr. of the United States Court of Appeals for the 3rd District. Guy Benson of townhall.com points out that in, in uh, last November's election, Obama only won by... 406,348 votes in four states. That would have been November of 2012. Florida, 73,000. Ohio, 103,000. Virginia, 115,000. And Colorado, 113,000. So Obama won by that many votes in those four states. Those are swing states. Those are states that the Republicans have to win to get to the 275 total. So those four states with a collective margin of 406,348 votes for Obama add up to 69 electoral votes. Had Romney won 407,000 or so additional votes in the right proportion in those states, he would have had the 275 electoral votes. All four states showed Romney ahead in the days leading up to the election. But on November 6, Romney lost all four states by a substantial margin, all of which have precincts, then inexplicably went 99% for Obama had voter registrations that exceeded their population and had experienced problems with voting machines. The election was stolen by the Democrats via voter fraud. Despite all the evidence of fraud, the Republican Party has been strangely silent about it. Now you know why. The Republican Party is dead, and with it, the U.S. two-party system as well, and the sooner we voters recognize that, the better. The question that remains is whether the American Republic is also dead. Why would anybody sign that consent decree? You basically signed your own death warrant. How did the Republican Party go from the party of Lincoln, the party that passed the Civil Rights Act against Democrat opposition, to being the party blamed for keeping black people from voting, this is absurd. Why would they do this? And you may remember in two thousand and eight, the Black Panther Party was accused of voter intimidation in Philadelphia. As a matter of fact, somebody was charged in that case. Eric Holder comes along and drops the charges. Unbelievable. Un. Believable. Now you know why we can't win elections. Thanks for joining me today. Enjoy your week. We'll be here next Saturday, good Lord willing. God bless you.
0: The Blaze Radio Network on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com/radio.